Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. It's a question of paramount importance, and it's the biggest question you will ever answer in your lifetime. It's a question that you cannot avoid. And here it is. What shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? In today's broadcast, we'll hear how two Bible characters ultimately answer that question, and how sad their answers were. First, we have Pilate, the Roman governor. And then we have Judas Iscariot, a supposed disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And both decided they wanted something else. Now imagine that. Imagine wanting anything other than Christ in your life, your sins forgiven, and peace with God. How foolish to think that temporary popularity with the crowd or any amount of monetary gain is a good bargain compared to what Christ offers. We hope that today's message will focus this pivotal question for you and that you'll learn from the tragic responses of these characters. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 14. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted, this was the deal, they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Same chapter, verse 21. Verse 20, now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve, and as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. And they were exceeding sorrowful, and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. Now chapter 27, just over the page, verse number 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned and I betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Down the chapter, he's standing before Pilate, verse 21, the governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that are released unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. Now one final verse in the book of the Acts, chapter 1. A very sad conclusion to this man that we've been reading of, this man Judas. Verse number 24, Acts chapter 1, And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. I'd like to come back to really chapter 27, a verse that to me is really very, very pivotal with regard to this meeting tonight. 
We have read the words of Pilate, What then shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? Now, you're well aware that the Bible is full of questions. And, of course, life is marked by all kinds of questions. Questions sometimes reveal our values. Some of the questions involve tremendous choices, educational pathways, career choices, relationships that many times are lifelong. Every one of us that are married ultimately asked our girlfriend, would you marry me? And to our great joy, the, the answer was yes. And so that was, a, that was a big question, big answer. So there's all kinds of questions that will come across your pathway. But what we have read in Matthew chapter 27 is one of the greatest. Because before this Roman governor stood another man, a real man, yet the Son of God. And Pilate asked this far-reaching, all-encompassing question, what then shall I do with Jesus, which is called Christ? And tonight I would like to look at that question again because this is not just a temporary issue of life. This is a question that involves eternity. Because before that Roman governor there stood a man, and yet he was more than just a man. We find that he was the incarnate Christ. He was the heavenly messenger, the heavenly visitor that had actually come from heaven to visit this world. In fact, the psalmist one day was looking heavenward, and as he saw the glory of the stars and of the Milky Way, or wherever he was looking from, he said, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? And you know, if God had only thought about us, which he has, but if God only thought about us, that would be a tremendous blessing. But to think that the God of heaven who knows all about us and who has followed our course, he has actually chosen to visit us. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? A moment came when the Father sent the Son. The incarnate Christ appeared. And in the words of Isaiah chapter 7, he writes, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And of course, you understand what that means. God with us. So that as Pilate looked at this man, he was looking at God in human flesh. My, you would have thought if Pilate had understood the reality of that moment and of the reality of the man who was standing before him, his answer would have been different. What shall I then do with Jesus, which is called Christ? He failed to understand the greatness of this man who was before him. Not only, friend, is the incarnate Christ, but he was looking at the man who was the sovereign controller. I don't know how much Pilate knew about the past years of the Lord Jesus. Perhaps he had heard some reports. We're not sure. But I can tell you there was a moment when the Lord Jesus was crossing an angry sea with his disciples. The waves were beating into that ship. And from the account of Scripture, the ship was filling with water. It's an angry sea. The, the waves were high. Those disciples were in jeopardy in their own minds. And finally they woke the Lord Jesus and said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? We're going down. And they watched with amazement as the Lord Jesus rose up from a very hard bed at the back of the boat. And with words of power, he just said, Peace, be still. And I'm not even sure he raised his voice. And in a moment, in a moment, the wind responded. And the waves responded, and it became flat calm. 
Those men could only say, what manner of man is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. And if Pilate had understood that this was the sovereign controller of the universe and of every element, would his answer have not been different? Often before Pilate stood the suffering Savior, he was going out to Skull Hill. He was going out there voluntarily, and yet there was going to be a decree made. A judgment was going to be passed. And there was a moment when Pilate signed the death warrant and said, crucify him. If he had understood what the Lord Jesus was about to accomplish, I think Pilate's answer would have been different. There's one more thing Pilate failed to understand, that before him was standing the supreme victor. Because even though Pilate got the report that the Lord Jesus had died at the cross, he was about to face the fact that he was alive on that first day of that next week. Three days later, up from the grave he arose. And that's why this question is so pivotal for this audience. What shall I then do with Jesus, which is called Christ? Tonight, it's not a matter of joining the gospel hall. We really have nothing to join. It's not a matter of trying to turn over a new leaf and live a better kind of lifestyle. Now, that's not a bad thing. And there's an awful lot of people, and they're addicted to all kinds of bad habits. So to clean up life is a good thing for life. But friend, this goes far beyond that. You need to respond to the Savior because you need him. And so tonight, this question has eternal consequences. What shall I then do with Jesus? which is called Christ. Thank God there are many in the scriptures and there's many in this audience, and we have found salvation in him. Wonderful to just look at the account of, of so many that came in contact with the Lord Jesus, those early disciples or those early men that tapped him on the shoulder and said, Master, teacher, where are you staying? Rabbi, where dwellest thou? He said, come and see. And as they spent some time with him, they burst out of that room. It would have been quite a sight to see. And they went and found their friends and said, we have found him. We have found the Messiah and you've got to meet him. A few days later, there was another woman. And her life was turned upside down as she met a man she had never met before. She came to understand this was the Messiah. This was the great I am. And she went back to that city and she said, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And tonight I can tell you personally that I have found life and peace and salvation and heaven in Christ. But not everybody makes the right choice. And tonight you stand with this momentous choice before you. I hope you understand that salvation is not a matter of a chance. Nobody kind of will wake up in heaven and say, my, I didn't expect to be here. This is, this is amazing. This is wonderful. That will never happen. Salvation involves a personal response to the Savior. And tonight, he stands before you once again. And I'd like to look at some of the individuals that confronted this choice. To me, they're spiritual shipwrecks along the coast of time. With just a very simple phrase, I can try to define their life. We have read of this man called Judas. And if the bottom line were seen of Judas's life, it could be marked by two words. I want, I want. In fact, we read his words, what will you give me? What will you give me? Because he wanted something else than Christ and salvation. We can read about a man called Felix in the book of the Acts. And it wasn't a matter that he said, I want. This man heard the gospel and he trembled. But when the bottom line came of his life, he said, well, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. Another convenient season. 
things will maybe be a little different. Maybe I can kind of gain out of this whole thing. And tonight there are individuals and they hear the gospel. I don't know if you're trembling tonight. I trust that the message will stir you. But though a man was stirred as Felix was, he just says, I'll wait. Tragically, there are millions of souls intending to get saved someday, but tonight they're just saying, I'll wait. We could even go to Pilate's answer, and when the bottom line came of his life, I think it could just be put like this. I would, but, not I want, or I'll wait. I would release him. But you know, there is the crowd. There is all kinds of pressure. Because they said, Pilate, if you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend, and we'll make sure that you lose your job. And he says, you know, I want to do this. I would do this. But I can't. And tonight there's individuals, and as they hear the gospel, and as they weigh it all up, they said, you know, I would like to be saved, and I know I should be saved. But, but, something else? Some other time? Someone else? And so tonight I want to look just very briefly at this tragic figure called Judas, because he said, I want, and he made an awful choice. I hope we understand that Judas was not some kind of a sinister demon. That was obvious to all. In fact, he was one of the chosen 12. Those disciples never suspected a thing. He went along with the crowd. He fit right in. There was obviously no signs that this man was a fraud, a counterfeit. In fact, this man had never been saved. He had never trusted Christ. He had never seen value in him. And yet, despite the tremendous privileges of this man, he had gone along with the other disciples. But when the bottom line came, when it came to the response, what will I then do with Jesus, which is called the Christ, he made a very, very tragic, tragic mistake. I want to notice just four things about this man. Number one, what he knew. Number two, what he wanted. Number three, what he chose. And number four, what he got. And I hope if you're sitting in this meeting tonight and you're not saved, that you might be able to understand that maybe this describes you. Because here's a man, and he knew an awful lot of things. He knew an awful lot of truth that involved Christ. What are some of the things he knew? Well, he had seen the power of Christ. He had obviously been in company with the Lord Jesus on many occasions. I've mentioned already the trip across the lake. And undoubtedly, he must have been amazed. He must have shaken his head as he saw the, the power of the Lord Jesus as he commanded the wind and the waves, and they responded. He had very likely been at that wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. And as the wine had run out, the Lord Jesus had just filled the water pots with water, and when the master of the banquet came back, he'd come back with a good wine. Judas had likely observed all kinds of miracles, had been along with the other disciples as they stopped at that poor blind beggar there in, in Jericho, and the Lord Jesus said, what, what do you want? He says, Lord, that I might receive my eyesight. And in a moment, this man's eyes were opened. He knew the power of the Lord Jesus. And I wonder... Maybe you do too. Maybe you've seen the power of the gospel in your very home. Maybe you have been made aware that there has been a tremendous change in the lives of those around you. You know the power of Christ, and yet you've never received him. But Judas knew something else. He knew the purpose of Christ in his coming. How do I know that? Well, I think that he was very likely along in Luke chapter 19. 
One of the crowd, big crowd coming through Jericho. And suddenly that crowd stopped and the Lord Jesus looked up into the tree and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. At the end of that passage, it just says, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And here's a man called Judas, and he knew the very purpose for the Lord Jesus coming. He'd come to be the Savior. He'd come to seek and to save that which is lost. He'd come to give life that we might have it more abundantly. At the night, I'm speaking to an audience, and for the vast majority here, you know the purpose of Christ's coming. You could likely tell it better than I can. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. And yet, despite what he knew, he made the awful choice. Something else that Judas knew, he knew the purity of Christ. You know, the more you're with a person, with another individual, you will begin to see things that maybe will take you by surprise. Never thought he'd say that. Never thought she would act like that. Never thought that they would choose to, to do that. Because the more you look at sinners, you're going to find imperfection, sin, blemishes, disappointing at times. But you know, the more you look at Christ, you're only going to find perfection. There were those that came back and they said, never a man spake like this man. His words astounded us. He spoke with grace. He spoke with truth. He spoke with authority. His words were different. His actions were different. His thoughts were different. He's a unique man. And as Judas came to understand the awfulness of his deed, he came back to those men with a 30 piece of silver. You know what he said? I have sinned in that I betrayed innocent blood. He knew the purity of Christ. And perhaps tonight you know that as well. Judas knew the pains of Christ. And the Bible says Judas, when he saw that he, that is Christ, when Christ was condemned. Very likely he stood alongside of that crowd. He watched the trial taking place. He watched as Roman soldiers came alongside and did their worst to Christ. He was undoubtedly in that crowd where the, when the chief priests and the scribes and all those that had plotted his death were there. And you'll remember that there were those that actually slapped him in the face. There were those that took a rod and began to, to hit his head. Roman soldiers spit upon him, crowned him, lacerated his back, pierced his hands and feet. Judas knew and saw the pains of Christ. And so do you. You've heard about the suffering Savior. You've very likely heard believers saying, Man of sorrows, what a name. For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Oh, thank God for every believer that can say, Hallelujah, what a Savior. And you've heard all of that. You know all of that. And yet you've never received Christ. This is what he knew, but what about what he wanted? He had gone to these men, he says, what will you give me? What will you give me? And tonight there's a lot of individuals, and they would like to have salvation, but there's something else that they want. This man had his eye on money. He was the treasure of the disciples group. This man loved the feel of silver. This man loved the power that it gave him. And even though no one suspected a thing, this man's life seemed to revolve around just plain money. I wonder, what is it that you want tonight? When the bottom line comes, what is it you really want? 
Because could I tell you that there's nothing more important than salvation? And there's nothing greater in life and in eternity to know that your sins are forgiven? There's nothing greater than to have Christ as your Savior, as your Lord, as your friend. But the choice was made. And as A.P. Gibbs wrote one time, he said, it may not be for silver and it may not be for gold. And yet by countless thousands is this precious Savior sold. Sold for a godless friendship. Sold for a selfish aim. Sold for a fleeting trifle. Sold for an empty name. Sold in the mart of science. Sold in the seat of power. Sold at the shrine of fortune. Sold in pleasure's bower. Sold where the awful bargain none but God's eye can see. Ponder my soul the question. Shall he be sold by thee? And that's where we come to this question. What shall I then do with Jesus, which is called Christ? Judas, what do you want? I'll take 30 pieces of silver. Thank you very much. And he sold his soul for 30 pieces of silver. That was the bargain. That was the choice. What did he get? Judas got his own place. He went to his own place. And for every soul tonight that just says, no, I, I, I won't take Christ, I won't receive him, you'll get your own place. Greatest tragedy. Do you remember what we read? The Lord said of Judas, it had been good if this man had never been born. Those are far-reaching words. And tonight, friend, if you lose your soul, it had been far better if you'd never been born. But here you are, planet Earth, on a journey from time into eternity. He got his own place. He got an unrespected reputation. He got an unused reward. He got his 30 pieces of silver. He got what he bargained for. But he never used it. He was involved with a useless repentance. At the night, he's in the darkness with an unending punishment. It could have been so different. The Lord Jesus was right alongside, and tonight the Lord Jesus is right alongside of you. I wonder, what will you do with him? What will your response be to him tonight? We're not asking you to come to the front or to sign a pledge. No, no, it's between you and the Savior. And the Bible says, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. I trust tonight you will receive Christ. Jesus, I will trust thee. Trust thee with my soul. I'm guilty, lost, and helpless, but thou canst make me whole. And tonight, if you were to do that, if you were to receive Christ, you would leave rejoicing with eternal life. So what about it? Will you receive Christ as your own and personal Savior? Will you take Him? Or will you continue on with some paltry substitute for what your soul really needs? Think about that question today, won't you? What shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls, 
Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.